Pastor Connor to come up. And so normally when James isn't here on a Sunday, you all are stuck with me, but we wanted to have Pastor Connor come and preach this week. Uh, he's the pastor at the church plant, Spartanburg, or Upstate Community Church. And so we'll talk more about that later, but I just wanted to pray for him as he leads us in the word this morning. Let's pray. Jesus, we do just thank you so much for today. Uh, God, we're thankful that you are at the center of it all. God, we often forget that, and the world doesn't always know that, but regardless if we forget or people don't know, you are truly at the center of it all. And so we say thank you for that. And God, right now, as we continue on in our service, we pray that you will continue to be the center, not just of the singing, uh, but as we dive into your word, as your word is preached, and as your word is listened to, that you will be at the center of it all. God, that it will penetrate our hearts, that our minds will be open and receptive to what you want to say through Pastor Connor this morning. Now, God, I just pray that you will anoint him, fill him with your spirit, help him to encourage us, help him to challenge us, help him to convict us through your spirit. And God, we just pray that you will continue to have your way right now in the service as we hear your word preached. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, good morning, Graham Chapel. How are we this morning? Good? Sun is out. Uh, anybody have a pool? I'm coming over this afternoon swimming, if so, because it's going uh, to be a nice day today. But Hey, uh, my name is Connor, as Pastor Timmy said, and I'm so excited to be here with y'all this morning. Uh, so I'm not originally from South Carolina, as you know, hearing me talk for like two minutes, you can probably tell that. Uh, I'm from Indiana originally, and our family moved down here just a few months ago uh, to help plant Upstate Community Church. Uh, we are a Wesleyan denomination church plant, uh, which is going in uh, of what used to be the Spartanburg First Wesleyan building uh, in North Spartanburg, Boiling Springs area. So that's where we're at. That's where uh, we're located. We're hoping to launch in late October. Um, and, and really what, what I'm trying to do right now is every time I, I see somebody or talk to a group of people, uh, I ask for three things. Number one, join our prayer team. Uh, we need more people praying for uh, a new church to reach new people in our community. And number two, I ask for financial support. We're fundraising so that we can be here for the long run uh, as we reach new people for Jesus. And the last thing I ask for is join our core team. Be part of helping uh, be the boots on the ground. Uh, and maybe there's a few of you here that would like to be a missionary for a year or so from Graham Chapel to Upstate Community Church. But uh, if any of that interests you, we can talk after. That's not what the sermon is going to be about. So you can like like wipe the sweat off your brows, it's okay, because uh, we're going to talk about um, what Jesus has called us to do in, in the questions that he's asked. But um, a few different things on the church plants. Um, so Pastor Timmy's going to get into this a little bit afterwards, but did you know that 70% of people in Spartanburg County do not have a spiritual home? Even for being in the Bible Belt, you'd think that would not be as high as it actually is. But 70% of people, 7 out of 10 people in our area, including Chesney, Boiling Springs, anywhere in Spartanburg County, 7 out of 10 people do not have a spiritual home. So 30% of people in our community actually are part of a church. And when I say spiritual home, not just part of a church, but any religion at all, 70%. So that's really high. So we have a lot of work to do, which is why we need to see more the churches planted so we can see more disciples made uh, so that we can glorify Jesus and see his kingdom expand. 
Uh, so I'm excited to be in this community and be part of that. So uh, Pastor James has asked me to speak today uh, on continuing the series that y'all have been in on questions that Jesus asked. And the questions that Jesus asks in the Gospels are, are more than just, hey, how are you? Or what's your favorite food? Or um, dad, were you ever a princess? Like my daughter often asks me questions like that. Jesus gets to some questions that like, the core of who we are and looking deep inside of us and, and how we respond to his call to obey him in every area of our lives. So today, as we dig into this passage this morning, uh, what we're going to look at is one of the very last questions that Jesus ever asked before he ascends into heaven after the resurrection. So we're going to look at one of the last questions that he asks. And this last question, I believe, is one of the most challenging questions that Jesus asks in all of Scripture. So as we look at that today, we're going to be in John chapter 21. If you want to open up your Bibles there, we'll be there in a second. But before we get to that, I would ask if you would bow your heads and let's pray together. Lord Jesus, thank you once again for allowing me the grace to stand here and to preach your word. Lord, I ask that it isn't just my empty words that I can often speak, but I pray that it's through the power of the Holy Spirit that your will can be revealed through my words and, and to us collectively here this morning so that we can grab hold of your will for us this day. Holy Spirit, would you open our ears, open our hearts, and open our minds so we can obey what you have commanded us. Lord, if you do nothing else in the very next few moments, would you do this? Lord, teach us what you would like us to hear. And therefore, Lord, teach us what you would like us to do. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior and our Lord. Amen. So we're going to be in John chapter 21. That's the very last chapter of John. And, and this last chapter of John is, is often called the epilogue, right? The, the thing that kind of comes after the meat and potatoes of the story of the Gospels. At this point in the story that we're going to see, Jesus has died on a cross for our sins. He's risen up into glory through the resurrection, uh, and he's appeared to his disciples. And, and what we're going to look at where Jesus appears here in John chapter 21 is the last of three appearances in the Gospel of John in which Jesus appears to a majority of the disciples. So what is happening here for a little bit of context is, is there's Peter, uh, James, John, uh, Thomas, some of the other disciples are gathered together and they're sitting on the side of a beach and they decide that they're going to go out and do what they did before they ever met Jesus. They're going to go back to their day jobs. After three years of following Jesus and apprenticing with Jesus, before that they were fishermen, and after, guess what? They're fishermen. They go out and they get onto a boat. Simon Peter says, hey, guys, I'm kind of bored. Let's go out. Let's catch some fish. So they go out in the evening, and, and all throughout the night they would fish, and they cast their nets. And similar to when Jesus called this group of people, they had caught nothing. These professional fishermen had absolutely nothing in their nets. And, and as the time that morning is, is coming along, there's this man off to the distance that begins to talk to these disciples 
in the boat. This is where we're going to pick up in verse 4 of chapter 21. At dawn, Jesus was standing on the beach, but the disciples couldn't see who he was. He called out, fellows, have you caught any fish? No, they replied. Then he said, throw out your nets on the right-hand side of the boat and you'll get some. So they did. And they couldn't haul in the net because there were so many fish in it. Then the disciple Jesus loved said to Peter, it's the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his tunic, for he had stripped for work, jumped into the water, and headed to the shore. The others stayed with the boat and pulled the loaded net to the shore, for they were only about a hundred yards from the shore. When they got there, they found breakfast waiting for them, fish cooking over a charcoal fire and some bread. Bringing some of the fish you just have caught, Jesus said. So Simon Peter went aboard and dragged the net to the shore. There were 153 large fish, and yet the net hadn't torn. Now come and have some breakfast, Jesus said. None of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. So these guys are out fishing, and, and they're a, a few hundred yards out from the shoreline, and they hear this man on the shoreline calling out. Now they're far enough away where they can't really make out like who this man is. They can hear his voice, and they can hear what he's saying. And the first thing that Jesus decides to say is, hey guys, have you caught any fish? Now if I was Peter standing in this boat, I, I wouldn't have responded well to this. I, I would have been pretty mad because it, it's the same thing for me. Like I, I'm a huge baseball fan. Anybody like, like baseball? Anybody a Braves fan? Okay, good. Well, I'm a Yankees fan, so I guess some of you will stop listening to me like right here and, and now. Uh, but when I talk about baseball or when you know, I have conversations, usually it revolves around this question. Hey, how are your Yankees doing? And funny enough, I'm only ever asked this when they're doing really bad. Like right now, I'm asked it a lot because they are not in first place or like in third or fourth place right now. And it's only like you ever have those conversations where somebody asks you about your sports team or something when, when it's only not going well. This is what Jesus is doing from the shoreline. He's saying, hey, fellas, have you, you professional fishermen, have you caught any fish? And which they reply, no. And, and Jesus, again, a couple hundred yards away, says, how about you go and take your nets and cast them on the right side? This amateur guy standing next on the shoreline, 100 feet away, is saying to these professional fishermen on a boat what to do. He's, he's backseat driving. He's backseat fishing at this point. But they obey because what else were they going to do? They weren't catching any fish on the left side, so they take their nets up, and then they cast it over to the right side. And lo and behold, what happens? They catch some fish. And they start pulling up the net, and it takes all of them in the boat to try to pull it up. And, and, and it's so full of fish that it takes them a second to be able to get in the boat. And, and John, the disciple who Jesus loved, looks at that net and looks to Peter and says, I think that's Jesus on the shore. It's the Lord. And Peter does something which is pretty typical of him in the gospel. He, he thinks, he acts before he thinks, Right? You, you probably know some people in your life that act before they think about the repercussions of their actions. Peter actually puts on his clothes, number one. 
Uh, when people would fish during this time, they'd have nice tans because they would always kind of strip into their bathing suit to be able to fish. They were out on the water all day. It was hot. You know, they, they were getting wet. So they would take their tunics off, put them aside. Peter actually puts all of his clothes, his robes, back on, dives into the water to meet Jesus. Right? Have you ever swam with your clothes on? It takes forever to get anywhere. Think if you were like wearing a robe and trying to swim. It, I mean, this would probably have been a really ugly sight. Who knows how long it would have taken for Peter to get to the shore to see Jesus, but that's what Peter does. He jumps out of the boat, and he swims to shore, and he meets Jesus. And as he gets up to Jesus, and he probably embraces him with a sloppy, wet hug, you know, probably smells a little bit by the time he's got onto the shore, and Jesus calls over to the rest of the disciples that are on the boat and says, hey guys, come on in. I've got breakfast ready for you. And so they come on in and Jesus has this beautiful, it's like picturesque. It's almost like a vacation if you know, you're, you're like having dinner on the beach or something like that. They've got a charcoal fire and Jesus is cooking his specialty, right? He's done this before, fish and bread. Remind you of any other stories in the gospel? That's, that was the menu of Jesus. He has some fish grilling up and some bread ready for the disciples, and he's calling them in to come eat. And, and then he tells Peter, he says, hey, go get all those fish off that boat and take it in and, and count and see how many you have. And, and he does that, and he counts, and, and he says, we have 153 fish. So they really count. This isn't a made-up number because it doesn't end with a five or a zero. That's how we know it's not made up. <laughs> 153 fish. And then as they're eating breakfast, it gets quiet. How many of you have ever had like dinner guests or lunch guests over and you're, you're talking with them, you greet them at the door and, and when it's finally time to eat, everybody's kind of stuffing their mouths and it gets quiet. That's my favorite time in my household because it's the only about minute of silence that I have throughout the day. And everybody's eating and it's quiet and, and maybe you're thinking about like, what are we going to talk about next? And this is where we find the situation of Jesus asking Peter a very important question. But in order for us to understand the gravity of the question that Jesus is just about to ask Peter, we need to go back to about halfway in the Gospel of John, John chapter 13, because Peter and John, they, they have a pretty, uh, Peter and Jesus have a, have a pretty sketchy history together. There, there's been some broken relationship within the course of Peter and, and Jesus' time together. In John chapter 13, Jesus is telling his disciples that there's going to be one place where he goes that the disciples can't follow. There's going to be a time where he's going to have to go to death. He's predicting his crucifixion and, and death on a cross. So what he does is, is he, sa he says this, in verse, um, Peter responds to this, all this stuff in verse 37. But why can't I come now, Lord? He asked. I'm ready to die for you. Peter said, hey, I'm, I'm willing to go wherever you want me to go. I'm willing to die for you. And Jesus answered this way. Die for me? I tell you the truth, Peter. Before the rooster crows tomorrow morning, you will deny me three times that you ever even knew me. And if you know the story, that's what happens. Only a few hours later, after Peter said to Jesus, Jesus, 
I'm willing to die for you. He goes and, and he betrays Jesus. He denies Jesus. Peter is sitting around a, a charcoal fire as Jesus has been arrested and betrayed and being ready to be put to trial before Pilate and, and hung on a cross. And as Peter is sitting around that fire looking at what is happening to Jesus over on the side, there's one woman that comes up to him and says, hey, I know you. You're, you're one of his followers, aren't you? And Peter responds, no, I don't even know the man. Never even met him. I don't know what you're talking about, woman. You're crazy. And then a few moments later, another guy comes up and says, hey, you're a Galilean. You look like one of his followers. And for the second time, Peter says, no, I don't know him. I don't have anything to do with him. And then for a third time, Peter is asked by another man, hey, you were one of his followers. I saw you following him. And Peter says, I don't know what you're talking about. I've never met the man. And at that moment, the scripture says that Jesus and Peter make eye contact. And Peter is overwhelmed with guilt and shame of what he had just done. Because at that moment, the rooster crows and, and he realizes that he had denied that he ever even knew Jesus three times. And since then, Jesus was crucified He's resurrected, and, and Peter has experienced the resurrection, but they haven't actually had a conversation. The last time they talked was this time, where they had this encounter. So as Peter and Jesus and the other disciples are, are sitting there eating, there is a proverbial elephant in the room that must be brought up. And Jesus chooses to do this. Verse 13, then Jesus served them the bread and the fish. This was the third time Jesus had appeared to his disciples since he had been raised from the dead. After breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, Peter replied, you know that I love you. Then feed my lambs, Jesus told him. <clears throat> Jesus repeated the same question, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, Peter said, you know that I love you. Then take care of my sheep, Jesus said. A third time he asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt that Jesus asked the question a third time, and he said, Lord, you know everything. You know I love you. Then Jesus said, then feed my sheep. So the first question that Jesus directly asks Peter as they're finishing up breakfast is, hey, Simon, son of John, and, and he doesn't call him Peter, right? He's, he's renamed him as Peter, but now he's going back to his original name, saying, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Now, there are two possible options that Jesus could be referring to when saying, do you love me more than these? The first option is he could be referring to the fish. Now, most people don't think he's referring to the fish because if you remember, Peter had just abandoned his buddies with a very heavy net to jump off a boat in his clothes to go to Jesus. So he's probably not talking about the fish. The second option is this, is when Jesus is referring to these, he could be referring to the other disciples, the other people that followed Jesus. The first question, do you love me 
more than these. And Peter probably shrugs it off and says, yeah, yeah, Jesus, you know that I love you. Like, I wouldn't be here. I wouldn't have. Did you see that awesome, like, dive off that boat in my clothes? Like, I wouldn't have done that if I didn't love you. Like, of course I love you. Then he asks him again a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? It's like, yes, yes, Jesus. And the first response is this that Jesus gives to that question is feed my lambs. Now, the, the Greek word for lamb is a little bit different than the Greek word for sheep. There's, there's a difference between a lamb and the sheep, although we use them kind of interchangeably. In, in this context, a lamb is a, a baby sheep. It's, it's a very young sheep. So what is Jesus saying when, when he hears P, Peter reaffirm his love for Jesus and gives him the command to feed his sheep? What he's saying is go and proclaim the gospel to some young believers or non-believers or people who are just beginning to follow Jesus. Go out and proclaim the gospel to them because that's what they need. If you love me, go out and tell others about my love. Then the second question, do you love me? And the response is, yeah, Lord, I I love you. And, And Jesus commands him to go and to take care or to shepherd the sheep. This is a command to to take care of those who have decided to follow Jesus, have heard the gospel message, and now need to take a step in growing in spiritual maturity, in the ups and downs of roller coaster that a life with Jesus is, to comfort them and to take care of them and remind them of the gospel message that they had experienced and that has formed and changed their lives. Now the third time is the same question. Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he says, Lord, you know everything. Because Peter was hurt that Jesus was asking this three times. He says, you know everything. You know all my inner thoughts and my ways and my actions. Lord, you know that I love you. And then the final response is this. Then go and feed my sheep. Go and remind them and and tell them the gospel again and again. When when these lambs have formed into sheep, remind them again and again of the good news that Jesus has died for their sins, has risen up in the glory so that we too can live a full and satisfying life obeying the commands of Jesus. So why three times for this question? Well, how many times did Peter deny Jesus? Anybody remember? Three. Three. How many times does Jesus ask, do you love me? Three. Jesus, in this one action of of asking this set of questions, is doing his work of reminding Peter of his calling and his purpose as a disciple of Jesus. He's redeeming him and restoring him and reconciling him back to himself so Peter can go out and not only love God, but love people. It's a reminder to Peter that he gets to be a disciple that goes out to make disciples, who make disciples, who make disciples to transform our world. And, and Peter ultimately goes out and does this. We have letters that talk about the church that he got to pastor and start and send out so that other churches could plant new churches in the, the, the region that they're in. It's a beautiful picture that because this happens, that restoration 
and renewal gets to happen as a response to this question of, do you love me? Now, here's the thing, friends, is that I don't just believe that John included this about Peter so that we could have a happy ending with Jesus and Peter. I think this is here so that we can hold these questions up as a mirror into our own lives. Because Jesus isn't only asking Peter this question, do you love me? He's asking you and me, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? And I think for a lot of us, if we're being honest, a lot of us like Jesus. A lot of us are a fan of Jesus. A lot of us like to love Jesus. But how many of us truly love Jesus? Do do you love me? So this morning, I I want you to hear the message that is given to Peter and, and insert your own name. For me, it's Connor, son of Mike and Heather. Do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? Because the response of that question, Jesus gives a command. And this is fitting for the entirety of the gospel because if you remember, in earlier in Matthew, Jesus says this to this Pharisee that's asking about the most important commandment. In Matthew 22, verse 37, this is what Jesus says. Uh, Jesus replies, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. That is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. What Jesus is doing by asking this question, Simon, son of Peter, do you love me? And telling him, hey, go and feed my lambs, feed my sheep, take care of my sheep. He's saying, love God and love people. Love God and love people. There are 613 commandments in the Old Testament. And Jesus chooses these two, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind, and to love your neighbor as yourselves, as the one that fulfills all the other laws. This is what Jesus is trying to tell us today. If there's nothing else that you take away from this sermon, take away this is that the way you love God determines the way you love people. The way you love God determines the way that you love people. I want to do an exercise with you uh, right now. This is not a physical exercise. You can stay seated, no muscle needed. It's a brain exercise. I want you to think in the course of your life, and I want you to come up with one person that you would say absolutely 100% loves Jesus. I'll give you a few seconds to think of that person. All right, you got that person? I've got my person. I want you to think about how that person treated you. They, they probably treated you with a lot of love and affection and prayed for you and, and wrote you letters on your birthday or holidays or whatever that was, and, and they would meet with you and, and ask about your life. People that love Jesus, like deeply love Jesus, they can't help themselves but love people. I've never met a, a person who was deeply in love with Jesus that sat on their couch and scrolled through social media and just posted about how angry they are about the state of the world. 
Never. I've never met a person who is deeply in love with Jesus that hated meeting with people or hated being around people. I never met a person that loved Jesus so much that, that all they could talk about to other people was complaining about how other people were acting or how, how the neighbor never cuts their grass and we're trying to keep a pristine household here and, and they just never take care of their yard. I've never heard of a person who deeply loves Jesus that is so angry at somebody who is parenting a little bit different than their parenting style is so they judge their kids and talk to other people about their kids. I've never met a person who deeply loves Jesus that also doesn't deeply love people. Now, it doesn't mean that they're not perfect. It doesn't mean that they're not sinless. But we love a God who is. Because we can like the idea of loving Jesus because Jesus is perfect and he is sinless. It's hard to love people because people aren't. They're rough and they're full of sin and they mess up. And they cut you off on the way to work on 85 and you get angry at them because they don't use their turn signal like ever. We get mad all the time at people because people are hard to love. But I think as we grow in our love with Jesus, we grow in compassion and we grow in our love for others. So I want to ask you this morning, what is getting in the way in your heart, in your mind, in your soul, from loving Jesus more than you did yesterday? What is getting in the way? For me, I, I was asking the Lord this question because like, I can't ask these people what, what is holding them back if I'm not asking myself what's holding me back. For me, to be honest with you, it's, it's comfort. I think I'm just way too comfortable in my life right now. At the end of the day, I'll turn on the TV and watch an episode of Alone on Hulu, watching people trying to survive in the woods by themselves or, or put on some other TV show or, or, or get lost in my phone for a half an hour scrolling through social media. That comfort of escapism is it, taking me away from loving the Lord because I'm not being comforted in the Lord. For me, it's comfort. Maybe for you, it's, it's a broken relationship that needs to be mended. Uh, maybe forgiveness needs to happen so that you can love Jesus more by loving people more. Maybe for you, it's, it's setting a phone bedtime so that you don't go to bed angry about seeing what's happening in the world or what your boss texts you late at night when you're supposed to be off and not, not talk to till the next day. Maybe for you, it's you've got to start looking at your neighbors a little bit differently. Start praying for them, loving them. Maybe for you, it's a, starting to love a, a kid or a grandkid in a, a different perspective in a different way than, than you have so far. What is it for you that is keeping you from loving Jesus more and more. Because the way that we love God determines the way that we love people. So for us, at, for my family, for me, my wife, and my kids, and, and upstate community, we are planting in, in Boiling Springs, not because we don't think there's enough churches or there's other churches that aren't doing it as well as us, not because we think we're cool and new and popular. I'm not. Not because we think that, that there's something wrong in this community. We just simply want to love people more. We love God and, and we want to love people more. So I want to encourage you this morning, and I want to challenge you, to take a step to love Jesus more 
by loving people more. Here's a few ideas. Number one, Graham Chapel is your church. Where maybe are you being called to jump into an amazing ministry opportunity where you can love Jesus more by loving people more? Maybe it's serving in kids' ministry. Maybe it's doing something on a Sunday morning, something throughout the week. There's some amazing things that that your pastors lead and that, that people in this church are doing to expand the kingdom of God in this community. Where can you jump in so that you can show the love of Jesus so that you can love people more, so that they can understand the love of God more. Or maybe this, maybe you like starting new things and that excites you and you get bored kind of sitting still for a while and you need something new to consistently do. Uh, Being part of helping us start Upstate Community Church, being a missionary from Graham Chapel to to Upstate Community Church, that might be a great thing for, for a year or so to be able to commit to, to help reach new people for Jesus in an area of Spartanburg County. I don't care what it is. As long as you're doing something to which you can grow in your love for God every day as you grow in your love for people. Insert your name. Do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? Feed my sheep. Take care of my sheep. Feed my sheep. Feed my lambs. Go out. And make disciples who make disciples who make disciples. What is getting in the way of you loving Jesus more today than what you did yesterday? So as we pray this morning, I I want you to pray about that thing. What is that thing that's in the way right now of you loving Jesus more? And number two, what is a step that you can take to love God more as you love people more? Because the way that we love God determines the way that we love people. Let's bow our heads and let's pray. Jesus, there have been so many times that we've just fallen short and been short-sighted in loving people. We've worked on our our devotionals and, and, and the places in our spiritual formation where we need to grow, but that hasn't yet translated into loving people and and making disciples. Jesus, would you reveal to us in this moment, through the power of the Holy Spirit, what it is that we need to set aside, that we need to repent of, so that we can love you more? Now, Jesus, would you reveal to us where we can take that next step so that as we grow in our love for God, it spurs our love for people. Lord, where in our community can we be a blessing to others? Is it our workplace? Is it our homes? Is it some way that, that the church is already being a, a beacon of light to the community that we can jump in and serve and make more disciples? Lord, help us love you more. Because the way that we love you determines the way that we love people. And we want our churches in in Spartanburg County to be known for how we love people. For how we love God, how we love the people around us by sharing the gospel message with them. 
that Jesus has died for our sins and he saved us from death and brought us into victory through the resurrection of Jesus. So Jesus, as we come to this question this morning, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? May we say yes and may we go and take care of the lambs and and feed the sheep. In Jesus' name, amen. One more thing before we go. Uh, So we wanted Connor to come and preach this morning, one, because he had a great message to share with us and we wanted to hear from him. But we also, as a church, want to do what we can to support Upstate Community Church as they are planting. Uh, There's Graham Chapel as a church cannot reach all people. We're not going to be a church of 8 billion people, obviously. Uh, And James and I did the math on it a couple years ago. If you take everyone just in the Chesney zip code, which I would venture to say a lot of us don't live in the Chesney zip code, including I live in the Parsonage. I don't technically live in Chesney. Uh, If everyone who lives in the Chesney zip code went to all of the churches in Chesney, there would be 600 people in every church. And you think, Chesney, you can throw a stone and hit not one church, but three, right? And so it's one of these things. We do need more churches, and even in our Bible Belt South area that we're in. Uh, And so we can't be a church of 600 people. We can't sit we can't fit 600 people in this sanctuary. We have two services. We can't fit 300 people in here. And so we need other churches where God is moving and stirring uh, and helping to make disciples to reach our area. And so that's why we're really excited about what Pastor Connor is doing and what the Lord's going to do through Upstate Community Church. And that's why we want, another reason we wanted to bring him here to preach this morning. And so he's going to be in the back. I encourage you all, show him some hospitality because as a church, we've already helped to do two work projects there. We'll probably do more to help them because we want to see him in the church succeed. And so I encourage you, go see how you can be a part of that, whether it's by praying, giving financially, following on social media, sharing with people you know, or, you know, taking some time and serving as well. Uh, And so we encourage you to talk to him, get to know the heart and vision of that church, and to love Jesus well today, this day, all this week, the rest of the month, the rest of this year. So that's all we got. Amen. The end. You're dismissed. God sent His Son.